Come on up, Nancy. Do you guys know Nancy Allen? This is, this is Nancy Allen. And uh, again, yeah, these battles we fight, not against flesh and blood, but against these uh, principalities and powers. Uh, man, not fighting against people but rather seeing people as these prisoners of war captured, just like we once were, to the ways of this world. And, uh, and so Nancy, we've been talking about the tongue, and, and uh, so Nancy shares a birthday with my daughters. And so over these past few years, uh, you have come over to hang with the birthday girls, the three birthday girls. And uh, Hudson. And, and Hudson. Hudson. He, he gets to tag along from yeah. time to time. His, on the 12th, yeah, so a few yeah. days after, okay. uh, but you guys are on the 2nd, and so Nancy came over, and wouldn't you know, uh, we start to talking, and uh, this is the danger of ever sharing anything with me. I'm like, Nancy, you yeah, need to share right. that on a Sunday, <laughs> and, and, so, and so Nancy, why, why don't you encourage us a little bit, what, what's this, uh, what's this uh, faith works when we speak been stirring in your heart lately? Well, I can't do big things, great things. But in my neighborhood, I tried to share the love of God through being the uh, Sunshine Chairman. So I get to deliver uh, get well cards, sometimes cookies, uh, sympathy cards. And when a new person moves in, I give them a new a welcome card and uh, tell them a little bit about Rolling Meadows. And uh, so uh, just my shine where I'm planted. Mm. Or, whatever it's called. <laughs> this comes from Mother Teresa, but I think it is really good for us to know. Not all of us can do great things, but we all can do small things with great love. So a smile, a hug, and a prayer, they're all free. And I challenge all of us to do more of that. Mm -hmm. And where does that come from? Just the simplicity of the written word, the cards, the notes. What, what, what inspires you to do that? Why do you do that? Well, I like people. I like to make people happy. And so that's where that comes from, the love of God coming through me to them. Mm. Yeah, faith works when we speak. Will you, even in the most simplest of ways, will you pray for us just as we uh, continue our service, Nancy? I thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can gather here in peace and we can um, hear these words from your book and do them and uh, have your power in our lives to be a little bit of love to other people. And I ask that we will all do that as the opportunity arises. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Nancy. Okay. I love our multi-generational family, just part of life in the body uh, as brothers and sisters. And, and I love our heart around here. We just want to hear from God through his word. And so we've been in James, and we're in James chapter 3. Uh, and part of James, faith works when we speak, there's a beautiful symbol. So before we get into the text, um, we have a baptism class coming up next week. If you've never chosen to be baptized, maybe you've gathered here, baptism doesn't save you but it is this beautiful outward expression of an inward experience. Uh, baptism is when one becomes many, the symbol of one becoming many. In communion, many become one around the cup and the bread 
Through baptism, one gets to participate in the many. And so if you've never been baptized, I would encourage you, jump into the class next week. We would love, selfishly, I would love to hear what God has done in your life and the symbol of baptism that we all get to participate uh, as you are immersed. So would be a wonderful thing. And we've been talking about, we've been talking about, uh, about this thing called the tongue. Last week, we talked about the power of the tongue. And, uh, and, and I know this is all relevant for you guys, right? It's, this is not something that I have to wrestle with, right? Oh, man. So I'm sitting, and I'm not even going to go into the details of the pettiness of the circumstance, but, but just something happened, and, and, and incredibly petty, and what do I do? Casey says something, and then what do I do? I get really defensive. <laughs> and, and, and I start coming up with ways to rationalize why I'm right. And, and, then, and then next thing I know, next thing I know, my sweet little daughter says something to her brother and just gets all, gets all over him. Like, Hudson, what are you doing? And I'm like to Casey, well, there's, that's your daughter. That's your work at play right there. Not so much, right? And so there was a humbling moment of just, uh, man, I'm saturated sitting, thinking about this stuff, and yet, and yet I was reminded very quickly of, uh, of the power of the tongue and just how it can ripple. Uh, you guys mind if I light this candle? Is that all right? Is that all right? Don't laugh. I know you guys struggle every time when you try to turn those things on too. Is it okay to say that I like candles? Is that all right? One little spark, right? James gave us a metaphor about a ship, and he gave us a metaphor about a bit in a horse mouse. This morning, he's pressing into this metaphor, a simple spark. The simplicity of the spark, and yet the impact it can have of the destructive nature from a simple spark rages a wild forest fire that, that almost cannot be stopped. James is going to invite us into just how powerful our words are, almost how unstoppable they can be at times in different circumstances. That's where James is headed this morning. Let's read the text together, and then, and then we will jump in. Because inevitably, James has been pressing us. Our faith can't help but lead to what we do. Genuine faith inevitably leads to works. Here's what he has for us this morning. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. With it, it is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not be so. 
Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. J James is telling us again the power of words, that our words, our words are works. He says faith leads to works, and, and now he's continuing to press us. Words are works that display our faith in God. What, what are the words we are using in our Monday to Saturday? Pray with me as we dig into the text this morning. God, you're so good. What, what a gift to sit and hear from your words through James for us in our Monday to Saturday. The incredible relevance that just the, the language we use reflects so deeply of who we believe you to be. And so reveal yourself this morning. Help us hear from you through your word. Always for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're just going to walk through those four bullets you have in your outline, starting here, that our words can seem insignificant, but their impact is far greater than we recognize. And here's what I love. Again, it baffles me that you guys let me do this. You pay me to study this thing. You guys understand that, right? It blows me away. And if someone was sitting here from first service, they'd say bingo. I think they count how many times I say that in a service. Our words, thank you, our words can seem insignificant, but their impact is far greater than we recognize. Here's how James tells us about that. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The simplicity of a spark and the impact it can have. James has been telling us small part, big impact. He gave us two illustrations of a small part, big impact. And yet he seems to add a nuance to this particular idea, small part, big impact. And he seems to try and tell us the idea that it cannot be stopped. That a small spark just unleashes this forest fire. So you guys know I moved here from Southern California, right? So just before we moved here, there was a massive fire that struck Northern California. Some of our friends had to relocate out of Chico because it was right in their vicinity. It was the Paradise Fire called the Camp Fire. It was in the town of Paradise in 2018. Killed 85 people, destroyed nearly 19,000 homes, covered an area of 153,000 acres. And just for comparison, I think Madison is roughly about 50,000 acres, the city of Madison itself. Just for comparison, this fire just tore through Northern California. And then the question is always this, what caused it? How, how did this happen? What, what, was the, what was the way this happened? How did this fire just suddenly get out of control? And so they placed it all the way back to a failure of a worn and neglected piece of Pacific gas and electric equipment on a transmission tower that led to them declaring bankruptcy and pleading guilty to 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter involving the victims of the fire. The power of our words, James says, is like an unstoppable fire. David, but I said I'm sorry. Doesn't that, doesn't that count for anything? Doesn't that negate what just happened? I, I said I'm sorry. And yet there were still consequences for the neglect for Pacific Gas and Electric and the implications of their worn piece of equipment. Our words have implications and the way we use them every single day and the broken relationships that lay in the wake of our words 
that still haven't been repaired. Our words, our works, and reflect our faith in God. James is telling us our words matter, and I found this fascinating. In a world of fake news, how quick does news spread? Here's what a study at MIT, these guys found six times faster misinformation rather than truth. We found that falsehood diffuses significantly farther, faster, deeper, and more broadly than the truth in all categories of information, in many cases by an order of magnitude. Something is said and it just spreads. Misinformation spreads, and I go, why? And they make a fascinating assessment. The result? We saw a different emotional profile for false news and true news. People respond to false news with more surprise and disgust, whereas true stories produce replies more generally characterized by sadness, anticipation, or trust. When we hear that, that idea, that gossip, that idea, what, what are we communicating? And how quickly it spreads versus truth that just kind of breaks our heart. And there's a sense of we already understood that was the case. And there's that trust. How quickly false news spreads. Words matter. What we're saying matters. And we examined some of our words last week. Which one of these hits you? Well, which of these ideas did you maybe press in a little bit further this past week in the way we use our words? Lying versus truthfulness? Misstating versus trying to regulate? It's okay to say, I don't know, right? Those three words, rather than embellish a story, it's okay to go, I don't know. Gossiping versus calibrating, cursing versus glorifying, omitting versus speaking up, nagging versus reminding, comparing versus encouraging. Again, I hope you had a chance to wrestle with some of these. Here's what struck me this past week. Omitting versus speaking up. Not just in the words we communicate, but sometimes the words we withhold, deliberately choosing not to speak in order for others to keep a more favorable view of us versus deliberately choosing to speak in order to bring needed clarity to a given context. In the way we speak, words are works that reflect our faith. What words are we choosing? James has been telling us our words can seem insignificant, but their impact is far greater than we recognize. And our words far too often do major damage. Here's what he says. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. So you could do more research if you want. I'm going to do my best. But 3 verse 6 is a contested verse just because of the organization of it. There's all these participles, and they're trying to figure out the translators. I love the way that the translators in the ESV translated it. So if you want to go wrestle with it a little bit more, how are all the ideas contained between those two bolded sections related? How do they all work together? Because James is trying to tell us the power of the tongue. And it's a complicated organization of ideas, so we're going to do our best to work through it here. But the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, and setting on fire the entire course of life. What, what is James trying to tell us about the power of our words? 
First, he says it's a world of unrighteousness. Is the tongue simply like a, an ornament of evil? Or, or is it actually this world, this dark shadows lurking in our language, in our worlds that has a, a drastic impact? He says it's a world of unrighteousness. And the tongue is set among our members. The tongue is set among our members as a world of unrighteousness. So here's the question. Is this related to us as individuals? Or is this related to a teacher and the impact words have in a community? So I'm taking it as the impact as individuals. That we each, the tongue is set as our members, a world of unrighteousness. It has huge implications in our lives. How big? Stains the whole body. You ever had someone, you get a, like a stain on your shirt? Usually after lunch, maybe it lands like right here after lunch. Has that ever happened to you? It's increasingly happening for me. I'm fighting. I'm fighting against it. It just lands right there. Stains the whole body. A wedding dress that gets stained has a big impact in the, 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 the beauty for people, Right? He says, the tongue is set among our members as a world of unrighteousness. And it has an impact in our entire life. Stains the whole body. But not just our life. What does he say? Setting on fire the entire course of life. The way you speak has an impact on the trajectory of your life. The way you speak to and about people has an impact staining your body and the entire course of life and is set on fire by hell. So what is that damage? What is that damage that the tongue can do? Here's what I, as best as I could try and process, here's the damage that it feels like our words have. We just frustrate people to a negative degree, right? Communication is hard. Where you're trying to communicate ideas and it's just frustrating where you're trying to get an idea across, and it's just exhausting. So, so I always think of this in our lives. So Casey and I, if Casey ever says, hey, David, would you take out the trash? What do I say? Yeah, sure. And then I continue doing whatever I'm doing. What does she then say? She might say it again. That's an option. Maybe louder with more punctuation. <laughs> Hey, David, can you take out the trash now? I, want, I meant for you to take it out now. And then what do I say? Well, that's not what you said, right? You said take out the trash. And then she says, sleep downstairs. Sleep. <laughs> she says, sleep downstairs. No, she says, well, that's what I meant. Though I didn't use those exact words, take out the trash, in my head I meant, take out the trash now, and I intended that to have an impact on your activity. Who's right? She is. <laughs> For other reasons other than just she's right, yes. In communication, the author is trying to communicate ideas in their head, might not always use the best symbols, but they're always just trying to communicate the ideas in their head and how it's received starts to stir this process of communication. But sometimes it just gets frustrating when we don't quite speak with the same ideas as clearly as we'd like. 
Now, I just assume, however many people are in this room, that's how many different ideas are being received. And it's not all exactly the way I'd intend it, but we're doing the best. Sometimes our words, they can have damage just because communication is tough. And our words could lead to discouragement. Where parents, sometimes just by our words, intentionally, unintentionally, we can just cripple our kids. Just in passing, just cripple them in the way we speak about or to them. That these words can have damage that continue on beyond even that moment. There's implications, just like the fire had consequences for that company. Like my words impacted then the way my daughter spoke to my son. There's this discouragement that has a ripple effect. Parents can cripple our kids. And then, man, it just feels like it gets increasingly more complicated. Our words far too often have damage, can destroy reputations and relationships. That depending on what you say in the context of your workplace could lead you to being fired. A student in the academic setting could lead to being expelled. And that communication that is hard and becomes frustrating over and over and over, those words start to magnify and could lead to a divorce. Anger, anger that turns into a fight that could lead to murder. And even these warring countries started where? Communication of ideas and words destroying reputations and relationships. James is aware these words have significant implications. Possibly someone in your life you haven't even spoken to in years. Why? Probably because of conversation. Words. Words are works, James is telling us. And he says our words could seem insignificant, and yet they have a far greater impact than we could ever recognize. And our words far too often do major damage. And he's going to go another layer. Our words are often rooted in evil. Here's what he says. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell for every kind of beast and bird. Not, not a literal place, hell, a place, but rather this influence of the world an enemy that would love to distract away from the person of Christ. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. Man, in our world, it feels like every, every animal across the, has been under the influence of humankind's influence, right? I love going to SeaWorld. One of my favorite things to do is to watch the dolphin show. Watch these things do tricks. It's wild. These massive animals lay up on a thing and kind of flip their fins out just like that, right? Keith, was that, was that about the, that's the movement? I love it. Sea lions, that sea lion show is phenomenal. I almost, this is where you guys know I have a filter. I almost brought Franklin the dog up here to have him do a couple tricks for you guys. And, uh, you know, COVID was challenging. I got him to do a few tricks, got him to shake, just couldn't get him to stop eating trash out of the trash can. That's a trick we have not solved yet. But here's what, here's what stopped me. I don't think he's saying domesticate animals. 
For the ancients, there was this idea of bringing chaos under control in the way they subdued and brought dominion to the animal kingdom. I mean, we don't have to worry. Every once in a while you hear about a shark attack, but for the most part, it's not an issue. And yet, what does James say about the tongue? As much control as we think we can exercise over this world, he says no one, no human being can tame the tongue. No matter how much you try, you're not going to be able to tame this thing. It is just like a, you can only hope to contain it. But I love what he says. No human being can tame the tongue. What should we take from that? He says, no human being can tame the tongue. Where does your mind go? Man, we pray desperately for the God of the universe to fight these battles in something that we feel so limited by, that we need with desperate dependence him to heal our hearts to produce a different way we communicate at the very core of our being because it's a restless evil. This tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I can't help but think James is thinking of Genesis where the serpent is whispering words to Adam and Eve. Different than what God was encouraging. And then he's thinking of his big brother Jesus and what Jesus had spoken. Jesus said this, you've heard it said that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother What's just anger, David? What's the big deal? Anyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, the language we use, words are works that reflect our faith. You fool will be liable to the hell of fire. I can't help but imagine James is thinking of the evil that lurks just a moment away. The gap between my head and my heart feels so massive to try and get these ideas into my heart, and yet from my heart to my mouth, it just comes out so quickly. James has been, been saying, our words can seem insignificant, but their impact is far greater than we recognize. Our words far often do major damage, and our words are often rooted in evil, in the brokenness of this world, and our worlds ought to be a consistent expression of our faith in God, and in fact, what we say reflects of what we believe. Here's what James says. Pick it up at verse 8. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. And I know this is all for you guys, right? You guys don't wrestle with this at all. This is, I, I should say that. This is all for me. You guys don't deal with this at all, right? This, this tongue stuff, this language stuff, you got this all dialed in. Is that right? Not so much. Lana's shaking her head. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth water from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. To his audience, he's giving these ideas. Can, can a fig tree produce olives? To which his audience would obviously say, man, you guys must be tired. That, that power outage in Stoughton must have knocked you guys out badly. What would they say? 
No. It's an obvious answer, James. We understand. There's no way that figs would be producing olives. That salt water wouldn't pour fresh water from the same pond. And in the same way, followers of Jesus wouldn't speak in a way outside of this deep understanding of patience and forgiveness and mercy. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And it comes from where? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I found it fascinating. Again, James is reflecting on what his brother says. And in our world, where in the category does our words lie in terms of significance? Feels like usually we elevate certain sins above others. Feels like human sexuality has become something that's more uh, obvious or pervasive. In words, we go, eh, it's just words. Here's what Jesus says. It is not from what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. And what does Jesus say? The great leveler. Because around here at Hillcrest, we just see ourselves as a bunch of beggars who have found bread, and we want to share it. That Jesus, out of his grace and mercy, has chosen or forgiven us apart from anything we could have done, And here's how he gives us a list of other challenges that our world faces. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. He just puts them all together. Words are works, and they reflect our view of who God is. I can imagine Jesus passing this fig tree. Do you guys remember when Jesus cursed the fig tree because it wasn't producing figs? Jesus walks by, the fig tree wasn't producing, and he just cursed the thing. So I imagine James, Jesus are walking by this fig tree, and they're thinking, it's it's not going to bear olives. It's a fig tree. What are the things, when we're stirred, come out of our life? Where did James start his letter? Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience trials of various kinds. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience trials of various kinds. When you're hit, what comes out of your life? When I hit this cup, what comes out? Stinking coffee. That's it, the sweet nectar of coffee. When you're hit, what comes out of your life? When you're hit, does does a desire to control the circumstances start to emerge out of your life with your words and your attitude? Is there a bitterness and defensiveness that start to emerge? You could say that happened this past weekend when Casey challenged me on something and there was a bit of defensiveness that then got emerged in my kids. Is there this anger that starts to rage out of your words or anxiety that starts to build? And if we could peek into your heart Might you say, oh, it's so nice to be at this meeting, when in actuality you might be thinking, I couldn't care less about being here. (laughs) Couldn't care less about meeting you. Or how can I get away from this bore? You might be thinking that right now. That might be going through your mind right this second. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. James is challenging us, words are works that have a significant impact on the way we display our faith in God. So here's, as always, implications for our week. If James is saying words are works and our words display what we believe, 
Here'd be my encouragement this week. Set your alarm, because if you're anything like me, you're dense and you need a reminder, and I need to be reminded on my Monday to Saturday. Set your alarm to 3.12 each day. Probably not a.m., that would be p.m., but if you want to wake up at 3.12, I don't know why you would, but if you want to wake up at 3.12 in the morning, 3.12, set your alarm and pray with desperate dependence for God to do these three things that he might bring to mind someone's words that brought life to you. That you would reflect on someone who actually spoke words of wisdom and encouragement, spoke his truth into your life. That actually spoke words that reflected their works, like Nancy Allen writing a card. Beyond just the words on the card, there was actually a heart behind. Reflect God is bringing people into your life. And then, Spend some time when that alarm hits at 3.12. Is there anyone with whom you've used words destructively this week? Is there someone, a spouse or kids, a parent, a coworker? Is there someone with whom you've used words destructively? What's our tendency? Well, did you know what they said to me? Instead, don't explain it. Don't excuse it own whatever that circumstance was that came out of your mouth and then seek them out to reconcile. I was sitting there in a couch watching my daughter unleash this, this venom, this, this evil onto my son, and I was reminded, man, I, I need to even reconcile with Casey in this moment. Our words, our works that reflect our faith. Is there someone with whom you've used words destructively? What would it look like to reconcile? And maybe it's been years. How might you move towards reflecting your words as works? And then, look for opportunities to use words to encourage others this week. How might you actually see the battle that rages in your Monday to Saturday, every single moment of every single day, not with an idea that you are going to tame this tongue. (laughs) Not that somehow it's going to suddenly be solved tomorrow based upon something you do, but rather praying with desperate dependence for God to reveal these opportunities where you might speak life and kindness and grace into people's life because of the kindness and grace you've experienced. Pray with me. Oh God, you're so good. Our words, our works, James tells us. Help us increasingly align our heart to yours that our words reflect more and more and more the words you've spoken to us of your kindness and grace and mercy. May that pour out of our heart. And when we fail, knowing we can't fully tame this tongue, may you continue to show kindness and grace to us and continue to fight these battles for us in our Monday to Saturday. Thank you, Jesus. Always for your glory, we pray. Amen.